Hey, it's Alan Berg. Are you coming to Wedding MBA this year? Well, I'll be there again. I haven't missed one since the first one in 2007. So I look forward to seeing you there. And if you want to save $20 off the current ticket price and they get higher as you get closer, go to WeddingMBA.com. Use the promo code Alan, A-L-A-N. WeddingMBA.com, promo code Alan, save $20. I look forward to seeing you there. Before we get into this episode, I'm starting something called Ask Me Anything. That's right. You submit your questions and they could become an entire episode or something that I answer at the end of an episode. To submit your questions, look for the red button at podcast.allenberg.com. That's right, podcast.allenberg.com. Click on the red button, submit your question, and maybe you'll hear it here on the podcast. Thanks. Would it make sense is a phrase I use all the time. And would it make sense for you to hear who that came from? Yeah, I think it would. Listen to this episode and find out. Welcome to another episode of the Wedding Business Solutions Podcast. I'm your host, Alan Berg. I'm a speaker, author, sales trainer, website reviewer, and I help businesses like yours sell more, profit more, and have more fun doing it. Enjoy this episode. Hi, it's Alan Berg. Welcome back to another episode of the Wedding Business Solutions Podcast. I am so, so excited to have Lois Kramer on because she is the one that taught me to say, or ask, I should say, would it make sense? Lois, welcome. Alan, it's great to be here. Honored to be with you. Well, well, thank you so much. And, and, and not only are you the author of book, More Business, you know, how people can get, can speak more. Give us, you know, t- teach people how to do a positioning statement. Tell us yours. Well, I'll tell you mine. Uh, it, and it's the thing that I say when people ask me what I do, instead of just saying I'm a consultant. Right. Um, I work with speakers, consultants, and experts who want to book more business, make more money, and monetize their message. It's a concept and outcome statement, uh, Alan. And quite frankly, it's the reason I started my business over 20 years ago, because my sense was a lot of people sucked <laughs> when people <laughs> asked them what they did. Right. And it, it's that, you know, the elevator pitch, whatever you want to call it, and people stumble upon that, or they think it's 30 seconds or something like that. Okay, yes. so say it again without any before and after. So Lois, what do you do? I work with professional speakers, consultants, and experts who want to book more business, make more money, and monetize their message. Book more business, make more money, and monetize their message. That's what you do. Many people who are listening are either also do some speaking in the industry or might be aspiring to speak. But if you listen to that, that'll give you a little bit of an idea of how do you say very quickly who you do something for, how you help them, what the outcome is for them. Love it, love it, love it, love it. So uh, I speak all the time about the business of weddings and events. And whenever I'm speaking about sales, I always drop your phrase. And I don't remember when I first heard it from you, whether it was in the book or whatever, but would it make sense? And when I say that to people, they go, yeah, that does make sense. I'm like, of course it makes sense because you're making it easy for them. You're making it easy for them. So where did that come from? When did you first say that and went, whoa, that was pretty good, yeah. <laughs> you know, I think, that the first time I said it, uh, uh, years ago, I used to speak to corporate sales teams on sales. And by the way, my positioning statement for that was, I work with organizations that want to fast forward their selling skills so they'll be more successful at what they do. Love it. And in following up with a gentleman who hired me, I did a little thing I call a follow-up thank you call. Thanks for bringing me in, that kind of thing. 
Um, after that meeting, Ellen, I was approached by four sales managers. And I thought, how interesting. They wanted to discuss some of the things that I talked about on the platform. So in my follow-up thank you call, I was thinking about that. And I'd like to say this was a strategic plan, Alan, but it wasn't. <laughs> I probably should say it. it was all strategic, Alan. Of course. Uh, was. I was talking to this gentleman and I said, you know, um, in speaking to your sales managers after my program, they had some questions. We had some good discussion. You know, I'm wondering if you think it would make sense for me to work with your sales managers to actually implement the ideas, tactics, and techniques I talked about in the platform. And much to my surprise, he said, yes. What would that look like? And Alan, I had no idea. <laughs> so I said, I'll have a few options for you in an email shortly. So I um, hung up, quickly went to my bookshelf and got out the Alan Weiss book on proposals okay. and sent a very Alan Weissian three-part proposal uh, got an immediate email back saying, yes, let's go with the middle one. I, you know, I just said to the, to the uh, gentleman who made the decision to bring me in to speak to them, I said, after speaking with some of your sales managers, do you think it would make sense for me to work with them to actually implement the ideas and tactics that I talked about on the platform? Because if you do, we could, we could make that happen and you wouldn't have to bring me in. And this was before Zoom, by the way. This was when we were using Skype and uh, some Google program. I can't even remember what it was. But much to my surprise, he said, that sounds like a great idea. What would that look like? I had no idea. So I said, I'll get a proposal to you. I went to my bookshelf, got my Alan Weiss book out, and sent him a three-option proposal, got an email back in nanoseconds from him, accepting the middle option. And that's when I came up with what I call aftercare, which is the last chapter in my Make Money Speaking book. Uh, how do you take a next step after you've worked with someone? Uh, what kind of services can you provide after the event, after the consult, after your initial work? Right. And um, so that's how do you think it would make sense, I think, originally uh, happened. But I like it because... You know, Ellen, I suggest for professional speakers when they're selling an event to sell books. I know you do. You sell a lot of books. And if somebody is hiring me for a meeting and I say, do you think it would make sense for everybody in the audience to be able to walk away with a companion book for this program? I want somebody to think before they say the answer, because if they're going to say no, they sound kind of nutty. <laughs> right, right. And it, it, again, it's what you're listening here is, first of all, the upsell, right? You had the speaking engagement. Yes. Now this is the upsell. Yes. And uh, my favorite phrase. So I, I give you the, would it make sense? My favorite phrase is this. If you don't ask, the answer is always no. You know, that is totally in line with my favorite saying, you risk a yes every time you ask for something. Very Are you willing to take the risk? There you go. And we, I give we these. We speak in the same language. Yeah. Oh, you know, that's why I have you on. Excellent. So, th this again, I give these cards out. Those of you watching on YouTube, those of you listening probably know my cards already, these little square cards that say, if you don't ask, the answer is always yep. no. Yep. And, you know, what is that upsell? What is that sale? Just because they said yes in the beginning doesn't mean they won't say yes again if you have to ask them. But yes. what I love about the would it makes sense is it's putting the thought in their head for them to go, yeah. 
that would make sense or no, it doesn't make sense. And which is fine as well, because if you don't ask the answer is always no there. Yes. And then with the upsell is you're giving them the outcome. You're not just saying, do you want this thing? You're selling the outcome. And that's something I try to tell people is don't sell the stuff. Nobody wants your stuff. They want the outcome from that stuff. You know, I, I, you and I are such kindred spirits. We know that we've known each other a long time. But one of the things that I tell my clients, all of my clients is people are buying you for the transition that you give them, the solutions that you give them, the outcomes. And I always say that's why when selling, whatever you're selling, quite frankly, speak in outcomes, because that's what people want to buy. They don't want to buy the process. If I said, Alan, do you want to learn how to be more effective at sales in the next 10 days? Or Alan, I'd like to share my 123-step plan to be more effective. You know, so I totally agree with you. Speak yeah. in outcomes. Right, speak in outcomes. But the the leading into that with the would it make sense, uh, so one of the ones that I use is uh, photo booths. Uh, photo booths that a lot of people sell is a photo booth, and they sell the type of a photo booth. It's a mirrored booth. It's a 360 booth. It's a this booth, whatever. Sure. One of my clients is selling three times more photo booths than he ever sold because he said, you know, would it make sense to have something fun for your guests when they're not on the dance floor? <laughs> no, sell- that makes no sense. <laughs> right. And he's selling three times as many because it also brings up a negative that you want to eliminate, which is, oh, they're not on the dance floor. What are they doing? Waiting online to get a drink? What, what are they doing? Or if you're selling bartending services or bars, would it make sense to have another bar in the other room so that your guests, when they're over there, they don't have to come back in to get a drink or they don't have to wait online? Or you Absolutely. Know, of, <clears throat> right. But bring up, bring up that outcome. I was just at a wedding over the weekend. Uh, this will be uh, coming out much later, my, my niece's wedding. Amazing venue. Happens to be a, a friend, client of mine, um, although she didn't pick it through me. She picked it herself, which was a good choice. And a great band. And I love a band because, you know, I'm a keyboard player. So I, I love a great band. Absolutely. But they didn't hire a 10-piece band. They hired the fact that that dance floor was packed the entire night, that people were having such a great time. That's what they bought, right? You know, would it make sense to have a band that's so versatile that they can play any kind of music, whatever it is that you want, whatever the generations are going to be there, so you and your friends can dance all night? No, no, let's have a terrible band, right? (laughs) You know, plus the other element of that, in my mind, Alan, is that you're offering, when you're offering it after working with someone, or even quite frankly, in, in the example you just gave, you're lending some accountability to the process. And sometimes that's what can be sorely lacking. You know, we can go in and give a great speech on selling. But if if people walk away thinking that was great information and don't apply it, or have questions on how to process it and apply it, right. then the money is wasted. Right. Right. And, and, and so for the audience here, again, wedding, weddings and events. So if you're having a bar mitzvah, a bat mitzvah, a quinceanera, you're having a corporate event, whatever it is, the reason that we're having an event is to bring people together. Yes. So get to the root of that reason. And uh, this is something great. And you can borrow this from me if you want. One of my clients, Kenny Puff, who's a rental company. So he does uh, tables, chairs, tents, all that kind of stuff. Plus he does tool rentals and stuff. And when I was there for training, he said, whenever somebody contacts us about an event, there's always three questions. What's the occasion? Who's coming? And what does a successful outcome look like? Yes. And if you think about that, no matter what the event is, so if it's a bar mitzvah, okay, what's the occasion? There we go. Who's coming, right? Friends, family, all that kind of stuff. 
And at the end of the night, when they're walking out, the guests and they're saying, oh my gosh, this was amazing. Or you're saying this was amazing. What does that look like? What does that feel like? What yes. did we do to make that happen? And then you could say, okay, so this is what it looks like. Would it make sense to get started planning that? <laughs> Absolutely. I, you know, I, I think I tell speakers and consultants all the time, you want to ask, what's the most important thing you want to accomplish by bringing right. me in? What's right. the most important thing you want to accomplish by working with me? Right. You know, and when you do this, by the way, pre-work, it, it's not just selling, it's marketing as well. I remember when I was doing sales, I used to use my pre-programmed questionnaire as a marketing piece. And some associations that I marketed to said, you're the only one who promotes that they do this kind of work. A lot of people do, by the way. Right. But I was the only one who said, here's what, here's what I like to know. I do my homework before I come in. And in fact, this is specifically what I like to know. And so people do, you know, people are attracted if yeah. you're saying, how do you want them to feel after your event? What do you want them to be able to accomplish after right. your event? I think it's key. Well, in any kind of networking, and we belong to National Speakers Association together. So you meet somebody for the first time and there's basically two kinds of people. One person that will dominate the conversation to tell you all about what they do, and the other person who asks you a lot of questions to find out more about you. And we know which one you want to spend time with. <laughs> well, enough about you, Alan. Let's talk about me. Right, exactly, exactly. And uh, I, I, I don't know where the, uh, the origin of it is, but we've all heard this one. You want to be interested, not just interesting, right? Yes. And it's the same thing when you're in sales. Absolutely. Uh, the, the worst thing is sales scripts because they're limiting you to being the Disney tour guide. And on the right is Magic Mountain, and on the left is this. Absolutely right. And you're not listening. You're, you're talking, not talking, listening. talking, talking. And it also doesn't give you the flexibility to be able to uh, zing when you should be zooming, you right. know? Right. Uh, and be responsive to what somebody is actually telling you. Uh, or, or you go right past the close yes. because the person is ready to buy, and you're still talking, and you're still talking. You haven't talking heard it. it. You, you're not paying Picked attention to the it. buying signals. Yes. So I know that a lot of the people listening here are not, they wouldn't consider themselves natural salespeople. They're craftspeople. They're creative types. They're uh, musicians, DJs, photographers, videographers, florists, officiants. They're, they, they work with creative stuff all day long. They're chefs. It's wonderful stuff. But they need to sell because you don't get to do that part unless you sell. Yes, that's and, right. And what, and what it comes down to is by the time they reach out to you, they already need what you do. You don't have to sell them what you do. You have to sell them the outcome that only you can do. And this is again where the would it make sense. If you're listening, you've heard what they want and you just repeat back to them. So it sounds like you want this, this, and this. You want your guests to feel this and this is how you want to feel at the end of the day. Is that right? Yeah. Would it make sense to get started doing that? Yes. Active listening. It, you know, it is the thing that too many people in sales don't, don't do well enough. Right. And, you know, I got better at doing it by doing it. Right. It, it, it's, it's a skill. It's a skill that can it be is learned. A skill. You're right. The people that say, you know, I'm not, I'm not a salesperson. Yeah, you are. You are. You just have to get Ab yourself out of this head. You're absolutely right. You know, yeah. <laughs> being in sales allows us to do what we like to do. Right. And so whether you like it or not you need to be in sales and you need to quit denying that you are right. and, you know, find some joy in it. I, you know, the way that I sell using phrases like, do you think it would make sense? That's a very relational 
way to say. So I'm going to say, Alan, do you think it would make sense to go forward right now and work together on this? Or I could say, Alan, what would it take to put you in this car today? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I am all into relational selling. That's what works. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, and, and the questions, you know, my background, so you, you brought up cars there because I was in the car business for six years. One of the top 50 Chrysler. Yes. I was one of the top 50 Chrysler salesmen in the country. I was the national product information champion for all Chrysler salespeople. The first year they held the contest. The second year they held the contest. The third year they held the contest. The fourth year they held the contest. And then I left, went to a Honda dealership and management, hated it. My friend bought a wedding magazine and that's what brought me into this industry. There you go. What was that? But what I learned, and and the book Shut Up and Sell More, the title comes from, I had just won the first National Product Information Championship, come back to the dealership, and this was the most sales training I ever got, Lewis. My sales manager said, Alan, you know more about these cars than anyone I've met in 20 years in the business. I said, good, thanks. He goes, great, shut up. (laughs) I I said, why? He said, you're telling people things they don't need to know. And that, and then he explained to me, I was said something to a client and I said, well, they needed to know that. He goes, they didn't ask you. He was shadowing me. They, they didn't ask you. Another client, he said, you told them this. I said, well, they needed to know. He goes, they didn't ask you. Wait, that was a gift, wasn't it? <clears throat> what a gift. And that was the most formal training that I got. And everything else that I've learned, I've learned by doing. So going back to that car example, if a, a, a man walks into a car dealership and sits down in the sportiest convertible that they have, most salespeople will try to sell them that car. And what I learned to do is go over and say, hi, thanks for coming in today. What did you come looking for? Because maybe it was a minivan, but he was having That's a moment, right. That's right. right? He was having a moment, That's right? right? <clears throat> Baby number three's on the way. Give me a moment. I'm feeling the wind in my hair. All right, okay. All right, now let's go look at the minivans. Yes. But if I tried to sell him the, the, the sports car, it was never gonna happen. Yeah, yeah. So that went forward to listening, 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 and finding out that, okay, how did I start speaking? This is interesting, Lois. I started speaking because my customers for my magazines, I used to publish two wedding magazines, they were not good business people. And I was losing customers because they were creatively geniuses, but they were not good business people. So I had to teach them how to be better at business so I wouldn't lose a customer. That's there no joke know. how I started, how I started teaching. And that was speaking. I didn't think of it as speaking. I just thought of it as helping and consulting, right? Just helping my my customers, which then led to getting on stages and doing the same thing. Sure. Um, And, you know, I'm working on another sales book now. And the title, working title is Demystifying Wedding Sales. But the subtitle is for people who like to serve more than they like to sell. Oh, I love that. And that is my industry. It's people who love to serve their customers. I selling. love that. I love so, that. So there it goes. It's it's recorded now. It's mine. It's copyright now. <laughs> there you go. I love it. I love it. Right. But but that idea is yes. I know you love to serve more than you love to sell, but you have to sell in order to you serve. You do. You do. Right. I mean, so, ultimately, that that's the bottom line. I, you know, working with speakers and consultants, people who sell intellectual properties, mm-hmm. a, a lot of them will say to me, Alan, you know, I just don't like talking about myself. And uh, I always say, well, that's not bad because you may be talking too much about yourself. Right. <laughs> you want right. to talk about them. And in a service industry, any service industry, you need to talk a little bit about yourself for credibility when the time is right. But right. mostly people want to know what's the transition you can bring me. Right. What, what, what is the, the outcome? Right. What is the outcome there? So besides what it makes sense, are there any other magic phrases? Well, one of, of my favorite phrase that pays is 
is simply this, and it sounds so benign just saying it, if I could do that. And that's something I suggest to clients when they're meeting uh, fee or price resistance. Um, if, for example, if somebody wants to work with me uh, and they don't have my fee, I, I always can say, well, sorry, you're out of luck. You don't have my fee. Come, come again mm-hmm. uh, when you have more money. Right. Or I can say, if I could do that, so I'm not committing myself to anything. Right. If I could do that, what else of value might you be able to offer me to make this commensurate with what my other clients pay me? Mm-hmm. So if I could do that, I think is a good conditional way of entering into a conversation about something that you're not agreeing on. Okay. So if I could do that, and now you're looking for the value yes. that you're going to get back to make up the difference of what they might want yes. to do. Yes. And then, then, of course, it's your decision mm-hmm. whether, but the joy is it's your decision. Right. And uh, I, I always tell people when you're going to when you're in this phase of a negotiation, always have in mind what you consider value, because lots of times it's thrown right back at you. Well, right. what do you mean by that? Right. So right. I want to have some things that I consider value. But I'll tell you, back when I used to do my sales speaking, um, I would say that and I would be quiet because lots of times they had something to offer I had never even thought of or I wouldn't dare ask for. Because right. I thought it was too much value. Right. And, and, so, and the key here, and I just spoke about this uh, recently, and it's in, it's definitely in some of my books. It'll definitely be in the next one, talking about discounting and negotiating. You don't want to negotiate against yourself. If you gave a price, don't yes. lower your price without getting something of value back. I totally and what, agree. And what Lois is saying here is, what is that value? So in, in our industry, if you charge uh, per person, let's say you're a caterer, you charge per person, could you get a higher minimum guarantee? Right? I'll guarantee you 180 people instead of 150 people, and now maybe you'll take a little bit lower price on that. Can you move them to a different day? I can do that price if you move to Friday instead of Saturday. Something exactly. of value. Exactly. I I have to get your your next book because I have a feeling that I that you know I'm going to absolutely love it. I'll tell you this. You know what this reminds me of? This reminds me of one of the first clients I had when I started with Bookmore Business as speaker. Mm-hmm. I flew out to Chico, California. And sat down with this young woman, and this would have been 20 years ago. And I said, what's your fee? And this is exactly what she said to me. She said, my fee is $3,500 plus travel, but I never get it. (laughs) And I said, I've got news for you. Your fee is not $3,500 plus travel, and you're hurting yourself every time you say it. Right, right. So know your value know your value and know what is value to you and your business. One of the things that I most get asked for, and I'm going to probably cut us off soon because we could do this forever. Um, One of the things I get most asked to talk about when I do sales training is teaching salespeople not to sell with their own wallet. Oh, yes. And and it's a big problem because you have uh, an industry where you have a lot of young people who are brought into a venue or some kind of a company and they've never spent this kind of money themselves and now they have to ask someone for thousands of dollars or tens of thousands of dollars or even more. Sure. And they, they can't say it with confidence because they're like, gosh, that's a lot of money. Yes. Okay, but it's not your money. It, it's not your money. If, if we were to go to the Rolls Royce dealership, the person selling Rolls Royces doesn't own a new one. Right? If we go to uh, an apartment in Manhattan where, you know, every time I look in the New York Times and it says, you know, these uh, studios start at 1.9 million, right? And then they go up to, you know, two bedroom, three bedroom, four bedroom for tens of millions, right? The person that's selling that, that real estate agent probably doesn't own a $20 million apartment. Yes. 
but they have no problem asking you for $20 million. And they don't say, oh, Lois, it's $20 million. They say, oh, it's only $20 million. It's only $20 million. Yeah, it's never just be million. apologetic about your right. value in the right. marketplace. But you have, you have to own it. and You do, um, and you need uh, to know it. You, right, you no, need to, for, right, you you know, need be to know. good at setting fees. Right, and and the first time you ask someone for that higher number, it's scary, and the first time somebody says yes, it validates it. And um, I remember uh, Patrick Henry, who's a speaker that you and I know really well. Yes. And in 2013, I think it was, I got him a gig through one of my clients, and he and his wife and my wife and I are walking through D.C. and and whatever whatever the fee was that I got him at the time, he's like, "Do you think we could ever get this?" Which was about fifty percent more. I was like, "Do you think we could ever get that?" I was like, "Gee, I don't know, Patrick. I don't know if my industry pays that." And my fee now is two and a half times. We sure. were thinking, can we get fifty percent more? My fee is two and a half times what that number was because. In my head, I couldn't imagine anybody paying me what they do now, and now they're paying it. And you know, the question is, is it time to raise it again? Right? It always comes to that they're, when they're you know, paying it, it's I, time to raise it. I tell the story when uh, when I first started my business, I was very fortunate. I was invited into a mastermind uh, here in St. Louis, where I lived by some very successful speakers who lived in St. Louis. Knew I had this background and invited yeah. me in, which was nice. We sat down at our first meeting. I had been in business. 10 minutes, maybe. And I said to them, you know, I don't even know what to charge. I guess I'll sell my information hourly. I don't know what to charge. And one of them, a friend of ours said, you need to charge $50 an hour. This was 1998. You need to charge at least $50 an hour. And I said, $50 an hour. I would have to put pantyhose over my face and have a gun in my hand (laughs) to get $50 an hour. So the next, we met every six weeks. The next six weeks we came back and I said, I'm incredulous, but people are buying. I, I People are buying at $50 an hour. And they all said, good, because your fee is now $100 an hour, $100 an hour. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I remember saying that and getting a pushback. I didn't get a pushback at 50, which was shocking to me, mm-hmm. but I got a pushback and they said $100 an hour. And you know what I said, Alan? I said, it's $100 an hour. And I tell you, I'm the luckiest person in the world. I have to pinch myself that I'm well paid to do what I do. Uh Unapologetic. Right. And that person said, well, okay. You know, it's, it's how we feel uh, about uh, our value in the marketplace. And that's, you know, that's a tough decision to make. Right. And and same thing. I mean, I remember sometime I said to someone uh, what my fee was, and I think at the time it was, and this is for phone consulting, Zoom consulting, not in person. And I think it was uh, 250 or $300 an hour. And they said, well, that's more than we pay our attorney. I said, well, you need a better attorney. Hey, <laughs> somebody called me after seeing me. I uh, St. Louis small business, you know, they have, uh, cities have small business weeks yeah. in May. And St. Louis asked me to keynote, a 20-minute keynote for small business week. This mm-hmm. was a number of years ago. I was very flattered. And... Um, a guy came up to me and he said, I want to take you out to lunch. I think I should be a speaker. And I said, well, I don't have time for lunch, but I'm happy to talk to you now. And he said, lady, I'll pay you your, your hourly fee. I'll buy you lunch and pay your hourly fee. What's your hourly fee? And I told him what it was. I don't know what it was then, a couple hundred dollars, $300. And he said, $300. I don't even pay my psychiatrist $300. And I said, well, that's why I got out of psychiatry and got into this, because there's room <laughs> To be upwardly mobile in this, you know, you've got to you've got to really understand your value in the market. 
Right. And you have to own it and, 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 yes. and say it with confidence. Okay. Yeah. So let, let, let's, let's wrap on this. So um, give everybody, uh, how many books do you have? I have two. All right. Uh, give us, give us business, the names. Right. Uh, book more business, make money speaking, um, which I say is my business in a book. And the speaker author, sell more books and book more speeches, both on Amazon. Both on Amazon. And we'll have the link to your website in our, you. uh, and, and your website is? Bookmorebusiness.com bookmorebusiness.com doesn't get any easier than that so lois thank you so much for joining me here we could do this forever but um i've loved this alan it, it's been an honor to be with you my friend and it's always good seeing you and I, I love giving the circle closing now on the credit whenever i say lois creamer taught me to say would it make more <laughs> sense and now you know who i'm talking about here so if you're listening go to youtube and you can see lois there or go to her website it's in the show notes there thank you so much for joining me i will see you at the next nsa conference Hi, it's Alan Berg. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Wedding Business Solutions Podcast. You can find full transcripts on my website at podcast.allenberg.com. And if you have a suggestion for a topic for a new episode or even a guest, please let me know at alan at weddingbusinesssolutions.com. And if you'd like to find out about having me come and speak to your association or a conference or do sales training in person or remotely for your team, whether you're a team of one or a team of a hundred, please let me know again, alan at weddingbusinesssolutions.com. Thanks for listening. Yeah.